welcome. No, it is not on YouTube yet. We are going to put it on YouTube, um, but everyone is still recovering from our recently concluded prayer stretch. Big shout out to everyone that could join us. I see Auntie Feluca, she was there. Adegle family, y'all were online. You guys are amazing. <laughs> uh, shout out to everyone that joined us. Um, that is not the only one we're going to be having. Um, quick, um, quick note, we will be having um, another prayer retreat um, in about two weeks. And this one is a 50-hour prayer stretch. Um, this one is about um, letting yourself go. Um, there's going to be another one after this. <laughs> I wonder the thoughts of people who like are not familiar with all this. Like, what are they trying to do? Anyways, um, our goal is to make sure that we offer up ourselves on the altar for the young people that are coming for the Father of Lights meeting. And so we really want to spend ourselves. Um, if, if you can only give like a few hours, that's totally fine. Um, it's not about you proving you're a champ. Um, but there, you know, everyone should bring, you know, whatever they can to the table. I think every joint should bring what they can, whatever supply that they can. Um, and, you know, there's a wonderful thing about the Christian walk. You serve someone, you're helping yourself. There is nothing that's lost in the body. And that wisdom is something that we can't let go of. Ooh, I don't have my Apple pencil here with me. Um, let me keep on speaking here as I get this. And uh, yes, we're looking forward to the Father of Lights meeting our um teen and youth conference always a blessing always a powerful blessing um i think the last last one that we had we had issues with the venue and a whole bunch of other drama that we can't get into right now but uh, we are so grateful for a normal immersion to be happening this year i'm sure our, our um prospective campers are really excited about that um they're looking forward to um three days of glory um technically it's four according to the date but it's actually three days and three days 18th they arrive on the 18th we have 19th 20 and then 21st they leave so got my apple pencil here with me so i think we're good to go <sighs> thank you jesus um let's load up we are in word for now um our monday evening crystal rivers expression my goodness, who was around when Pastor Daily Matthews ministered last week? Wasn't that powerful? My goodness, he, he really wanted to, to join in, like um, do like a little um, joint session thing. I just want to hear him speak. He's really, really, um, a, you know, incredible source of, of God's word in my life. And so um, we got to, you know, have him share. Um, he wanted to make sure that he was in line with like what we're teaching. Um, so he wanted to do something that was more joint and more, um, let me put my camera on. Everyone can see me. Hello. How y'all doing? Okay. He wanted something that was a little bit more, um, joint, I guess, or whatever. So he wanted like, uh, he was just be there by himself, like ministering and, you know, hoping that, um, what he was saying would land. He wanted there to be like, okay, where are you guys at right now? And how do we move things forward basically? And isn't it so cool how he confirmed so many things we taught already? I mean, I think that's wonderful when you're seeing that, oh, it's one Holy Spirit, and it's one word, hallelujah, one body, right? Amen. And um, every joint is make, you know, bringing forth their supply. Again, I love that. Love that. Um, hallelujah. So um, that was powerful. I hope you were blessed. It's on Facebook right now. It's on our Spotify page too. 
eventually this entire series on the tabernacle will be pushed out onto YouTube. Um, so stand by for that if you want it on YouTube. Um, and again, um, Mrs. Renita, um, the session with all that session would also be pushed out on YouTube as well. It's not live right now, but it happened over the weekend and it was glorious. Um, I think it's powerful. A major, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but basically it has to do with like different parts of the human body and offering up ourselves to God. It was glorious. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for everything you have for us. We submit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to you and all that you have for us. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Just saw one of these horsemen, these chariots of fire. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. May seals be broken in the name of Jesus. May we come into tangible understanding in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. There's something that he taught last week that was so powerful. He explained that. Um, maybe I just open up a portion of scripture. We'll kick off with that. Um, that's Revelations chapter 6. I'm going to jump in here. Um, and hopefully everything I'm saying makes sense. We've explained before that these events captured Revelations chapter 6 happened personally to the Manchild Company. And Pastor Daily Matthews confirmed that by explaining that, oh, these events are taking place here. They're making reference to internal operations of the spirits of God. All right. It is very important that we understand this. You know, this is why when you're interpreting the book of Revelations, don't just jump into the scripture and say, oh, you know, this and this is happening here and da 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 da. That's good. And the scripture can actually speak to you in that way. That is the truth. I've, I've seen many times when um, a, a portion of scripture that's making reference to something completely different from what I'm saying happens to tie in because at that point in time, that is a now word of God. For example, I know like, um, was it Brian Gurren? He would talk about how at, I think, 3, 23 a.m. thereabout, he would hear a knock on his door. And it was a reference to Revelations 3, 23. I want to make sure that's the right portion of scripture I'm making reference to here. Revelations 3, 23. Sorry, Revelations 3, 3, is it 19? 320, 320. Not 323, 320. And, um, it's basically, behold, I send a door and I knock. If a man hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. And that that was a reference to the church in, right? That was a reference to the church in Laodicea. It wasn't a literal knocking on, on the door. Prophetically, we'd have that experience at 3.20 a.m. It was a recurring experience in his life. Hallelujah. I feel like a wooing of the Lord right now. Amen. Um, during that portion... During that portion of time, sorry, I'm just going to keep on. It's going to unwind everything I just said now. So because of that understanding, you find yourself, if you find yourself always interpreting scripture, you know, scriptures in isolation, you might do a lot more harm than good. So you want to, you know, get into the practice, except for when the unction is there. Does that make sense? So for example, yeah, I could go into Revelation chapter six and find current events that are taking place and then say, okay, we are at the so -so -so seal. And you would be, you'd be right if the unction is speaking through you. Does that make sense? But you want to make sure that you also understand that, oh, wow, what the, what the Bible is actually saying in that context. Does that make sense? I'm not, I want to make sure I'm not pulling away from when the Lord speaks to you through the scripture into your unique, you know, um, situation. <clears> or <throat> when the text leaps at you, I want to make sure I'm not cutting that off. I want to make sure, but I am emphasizing here that you want to make sure also that you know what the scripture is talking about itself. Does that make sense? So for example, Here's a powerful one, and it ties into what we learned on Sunday. Mama was teaching, and while she was teaching, um, she made references about you know the power of God, 
God's work in our, you know, organs and our physical bodies. And um, it reminded me of when I was much younger that she made reference to Second Corinthians chapter three. And the first time she said that, I couldn't see what she was saying. I had difficulty like reconciling what she was saying with the text. I was like, I really don't see this in the scriptures. But what I did was that whenever I hear someone that um, someone who is wise and skillful with the scriptures, it's foolish of you to just assume that they're wrong. Does that make sense? That's just dumb. Like you don't just arrive at that conclusion because you don't see me. Just, okay, that means it's rubbish. I'll turn this guy off. You never, never do that, right? What you want to do is you want to keep it somewhere. Like, okay, I'm not ready for this yet. Okay, or I don't feel the leap of the spirit of God at this yet. I'm going to put this on pause and I'm going to come back to you later on. A man of God called them Ron's file. So you keep all these revelations that God is showing you through someone else that you haven't come into yet in Ron's files. And then later on, later on, you go into Ron's files and pull them out, right? So I went to my Ron's files and I pulled out that revelation and it was so powerful. Um, but that verse of scripture, you know, from what I understood from the text, I couldn't see what she was saying. But yesterday I did. Does that make sense? And I was like, ooh, added that to my journal. And that's like a major thing I pray with now. And I say pray with now as though it's only, it's only been one day. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I hope you understand what I'm saying. So anyway, so jumping back into the text, um, Revelation 6. These events are not um, catastrophic worldwide events. These are events that are taking place on the inside of, of the seekers of God. That again, I'm speaking about this as far as like the scriptural context is concerned. God can show you that the events happening here are also happening. God can show you how what's happening on the outside world is also happening here. I don't want, I want to make sure I do not take away from that. Okay. So um, as we keep on reading, we see here um, a white horse after the first seal. Okay, let's start beginning. Lamb opened one of the seals. I heard one of the four living creatures say with a loud voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked and behold a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. And he goes on through all of these seals. <clears throat> now, the one that was very interesting is the, is the third seal, verse five. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for denarius. And do not harm the oil and the wine. And Pastor Lee Matthews explained that what happened there was that each of those things were the items um, used to bring forth offerings during Passover and Pentecost, okay? And that was a reference to wheat and barley. I believe he explained that wheat was the offering of Passover and barley the offering of Pentecost. And so anyone that wanted to bring forth an offering to God was going to have to spend a lot of money. And it was a picture of the end of the passive Christian life where you just kind of just, you know, Jesus, just take it, shot, you know, God, God, God understand, God understand, you know, that, you know, lazy Christian um, narrative, it comes to an end at this seal. And basically, if you want to partake of Passover, you must be fully committed to God. If you want to partake of Pentecost, you must be fully committed to God. He then says, and do not hurt, right? Do not hurt or harm the oil and the wine right and the lord has shown many people different things from that too like mama's preached on that too as well so um i thought that was so powerful about how the seals again were shown to be um broken in the midst of seekers of god and when i say that is a private experience with you and you on one-on-one with god similar to the feast right hallelujah 
And that's why I, I laid out how the seven feasts of Israel, they line up in almost in parallel with the, the trumpets, the bowls, and the seals themselves. Amen. Hallelujah. So I think we kind of jumped into atonement and uh, we didn't really hit it hard in the head per se, but we kind of you know, walked around and explained about, you know, the Old Testament um, inauguration time, the original and then the fulfillment. Hallelujah. So we've been talking, just keep it, keeping things going. We jumped into Tabernacles again and continued our narrative. See our Ark of the Covenant right there? Do you see right there? Ah, ah, there it is. Okay. Our narrative on the Tabernacles, breaking it down, understanding everything about it. And um, so that we're not just seeing this thing as some ancient relic, but seeing it as an illustration, almost like a guide, a manual to your, who you are as a person, right? Because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, amen? So in other words, that thing is a guide to you, amen? And so this is important for so many reasons. Um, one of them being even like the body of Christ as a whole, you know, when he explained that actually each of these are not just ascending upward to the Ark of the Covenant, right? They are in of themselves also ending points, amen? So that explained what the Lord showed me about how there will be, you know, candlestick churches and Ark of the Covenant churches and brazen altar churches and stuff like that. It's simply a picture of the fact that you come into the fullness of God within, but you give a unique expression without. And this is why you see in the body, you have people who are really big lovers of God, <clears throat> who walked with him for several years and have really given up their all to God. But when you see their outward ministry, it's not very loud. And here you can see someone else who just gave their life to Jesus like two years ago, and they're all over the world, and people are getting saved in the masses. And you're like, shouldn't it be like the one who's more committed gets the more? But that's just not how it works. Amen? Yes, as you increase in your, as you mature spiritually and you walk with God, you're going to see an increase in your external but there are some people whose external ministries, they're going to have graces that are going to be beyond what you can afford. Amen. When I say afford, as in what's your, you, God has plans for our lives. Amen. Not everyone is meant to be a televangelist. Not everyone is meant to be uh, filling up stadiums. That's just the truth. But together as the body, amen, every joint supplies. And this is so crucial because if not, you might get into a rat race of trying to become like someone else trying to get someone else's anointing, and then you miss out on the wealth of what God has for you. Because that person has amounts of grace in his life or her life that's giving her or him that much fruit on the outside. And you have grace for fruit something completely different. And if you ignore that, like the dude in the parable of the talents and the parable of the Midas, amen, you end up in a very bad situation. Okay, so um, moving right along, um, these are personal experiences, right? And um, these personal experiences, so to make sure I'm in the right track here. I'm talking about the tabernacle. I'm sorry. The tabernacle, amen. Um, each of the furniture items, they were meant to correspond to different stages of development in one way, but at the same time, they also correspond, amen, to different functionalities. Understanding that is so crucial. What I mean by that is, in your walk with God, you can have this picture of you starting off in the outer court and then making your way into the most holy place. Amen. But at the same time, you could also um, see yourself as coming into a stronger reality of your of your functionality as a candlestick. Does that make sense? Okay, where the end goal is actually becoming this, and this is the fullness of God. And the end goal is becoming that, the Ark of the Covenant. And then that is the fullness of God. And the end goal is becoming, you know, the brazen altar. And that is the fullness of God. Understanding all of these things is so crucial, okay? So we're seeing it as, we're, we're, 
or having a more holistic understanding of the tabernacle. Why is this important? Because the truth is that the Shekinah glory, Jesus Christ himself, when he descends from the sky, he is going to look exactly like every member of that tabernacle, every member of that spiritual house. Let's look at Ephesians chapter two, a quick reference. Um, Ephesians two, the very last verse, we'll start from verse 21. It says here, um, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Amen. We are the tabernacle of God. This is so crucial. What's even more crucial is understanding that the tabernacle of God is what creation was made for. I explained during one of the sessions that the tabernacle of God, where God dwells in, God cannot dwell in anything else but himself because of the form that God has. Amen. And for this reason, the tabernacle must resemble him. This is why the Jesus Christ, um, this is why, um, yes, yeah, Jesus Christ said that he is the tabernacle, right? He said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll build it back up. And he spoke about the temple of his body, amen? Jesus Christ, who was the brightness of God's glory, the express image of God's person, called himself the tabernacle, called himself the temple, amen? And so if we are going to come into the image and likeness of Christ, then we are interested in becoming what? The tabernacle. Does that make sense? And we explain this as simply for this one reason that anyone that comes to the image and likeness of God ceases to have a reality outside of him that doesn't exist without him. And your union with God becomes more severe. And this is where even the marriage narrative comes in again. The more like God you become, the more your union with him manifests, right? And the more of his indwelling, amen, you're also in touch with or in tune with. So for this reason, the book Revelation is about us being married to God. You see that language when the Bible makes reference to the bride making herself ready. Amen. You also see it about, um, you also see the narrative of us becoming like God. You see that narrative when the Bible makes reference to people who have God's name written on their forehead. Amen. You see that in Revelation chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 14. Amen. You'll also see the narrative of people becoming the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God. From the very beginning, you see candlestick churches. Amen. In Revelation 12, you see um, individuals that become the Ark of the Covenant. Amen. You see the people that become the temple of God. You see measurements taking place in the temple where God says, leave out the outer court. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's when we're looking at the, the temple as a progression of, you know, you developing in your walk with God from the outer court to the most holy place. It's a place where God says, I don't want any influence of Satan in my work right? And anyone that's qualified to receive my name on their foreheads, you can be allowing yourself to be influenced. You make up your mind, basically, uh, who you want to serve. That's a prophetic interpretation of what that, that thing there is, amen? And so when you put all of this together, amen, you end up with an understanding book of Revelation that shows us that the book of Revelation is about God building himself a home. God is fulfilling his objective from Genesis 1 verse 27. Let us make man in our image, and after our likeness, God was actually saying, let us make a tabernacle. Let us dwell with humanity is what God was saying. And you see Jesus all throughout the scriptures in John 17 and John 14 and in many other scriptures saying things like I and you, you and me and us will be made perfect in one. Amen. The language used to convey all of this is glory. Amen. Whenever you see glory in the Bible, don't be distracted by the manifestations or the consequence of God's glory or the weight of God's person being present, glory speaks about a form, the form of God you've come into or the functionality of God you've come into. Amen. So whenever you see the Bible talk about the being Jesus Christ being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person, the Bible is making reference to the fact that Jesus Christ came into the fullness of all that God is. 
Does that make sense? When he said, Father, restore to me the glory I had with you before the world began, he was talking about an image and a likeness, right? He being in the form of God, do not consider it robbery to be thought as equal with God, right? Hallelujah. And this is what the book of Revelation is about, amen? What we are interested in the book of Revelation, amen, is us coming, amen, into the image and likeness of God, us being married to Jesus, us having our Father's name written on our foreheads, right? Us becoming the tabernacle. Tabernacle, say that right. Hallelujah. So because of this, amen, you're going to see in the book of Revelations repeated emphasis, amen, um, to things that you saw in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Why? Because in those texts, you see them talk about building the tabernacle of God. And it is very important that you're able to correlate the events taking place in the book of Revelations and see them as trigger points or as landmarks or hyperlinks, right? Or throwbacks or callbacks to different points, right? In the construction of the tabernacle. So you see things like the ascension into the mountain where the original tabernacle was meant to be built. Again, the tabernacle was not meant to be built as a physical edifice. It was meant to be the community of the people of Israel, the nation of priests, right? All of Israel was meant to come into a joint priesthood. Amen. And the fruit of that joint priesthood is that together they would form the tabernacle, not as a building, but as people. So you see an entire family, candlestick family, brazen altar family, brazen labor family, right? Um, it'd be funny if a river tribe of people would be the brazen labor family, like the people who there are all swimmers, amen? Or you go to um, the people who are the table of shoebread family, and all of them are bakers. Maybe they're all good chefs. Don't you think that'd be cool? <laughs> I think that's cool. I know it's beyond that, amen? But I can imagine them baking bread, and like the bread is like glowing in the dark or something. I don't know. You eat it, and then you become a giant. Who knows? Amen? Um, anything is possible <laughs> in this thing, to be honest with you. We're the ones that restrict the things that God can do with our own, you know, religious boxes. Amen. That's why oftentimes you want to lean towards excess a little bit more in a way that is favorable, just so that you don't miss out on anything. You, you, nothing is wrong with always expecting more from God, right? Hallelujah. Amen. And so, um, given that beautiful narrative in the scriptures, we see, um, you know, that, that objective of building the tabernacle. For this reason, amen, the climax of the seven feasts is itself called the Feast of Tabernacles, amen. And this is the herald that God's intentions in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, 26, yes, have been fulfilled, which is what? Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Once that is done, God calls it good. And then what happens? The sixth day ends and we enter the seventh day, what we call the age to come. Hallelujah. Now, it is very important that we understand that for the tabernacle to be completed, there is something important or crucial. You see, I've explained, if you listen to um, things I said, Jerry, I'm going to you know, put up a quick um, throwback to our recently concluded amazing, amazing um, prophetic conference, um, Christ, the Blueprint of the Future Ages, amen. Um, I, I still think there's a lot to be learned even from what is it now, though, the, the teachings that were released at that point in time. Amen. Um, but we had some powerful sessions. Please check them out. Um, but all throughout that conference, I kept on hammering how, and let me get the, let me quickly grab the Ark of the Covenant from off my ladder here real quick. Give me one second to grab that. All right. Here we have our prop. Okay. So here's our little prop. Okay. Our mercy seat. 
our Ark of the Covenant. Inside of this prop, we have here these three items, the hidden manna, Aaron's rod that budded, amen, and the, the tab, do not worship anyone but me. I love that. They actually have that in scripture right there. And then the, tab, the, the tables, the stones of the testimony, right, of the testament, all right? Now, the, a tabernacle is something that can successfully house the testimony. Now, you know that it can house the testimony because of one specific thing, the glory that descends upon the testimony. You see that Moses was able to call upon God and God to manifest physically through a thick cloud, representing the glory of God being manifest. That is a way of God saying that you and I are in agreement and not agreement as in we both agree on a topic. There is no enmity between us. So because of that, God can flow in and out of us. Now, this is crucial for understanding even how marriage works, right? Marriage is about two people coming into agreement. The Bible said they become one flesh. And it's a picture of nothing being held back, nothing being hidden, everything being exposed. And there is a synergy between two of them that brings about new life. Amen. This is what God wants with us. Amen. And this is what this agreement, the ability to house God's testament is all about. Amen. Now, when that testament, testimony is being housed right above the mercy seat, okay, comes the resting of the Shekinah glory. Now, when this happens, it rests first of all on the Ark of the Covenant, but then it begins to rest on the other furniture items all throughout the tabernacle. Does all this make sense? So you see glory resting on the mercy seat, then you see it break out from the most holy place to the holy place as well, and then from the holy place to even the outer court. Now, when that happens, no one can enter the tabernacle. This is actually what happens when the seven bowls of wrath are being poured out. And I personally believe this is what we can refer to very easily, amen, as the Feast of Trumpets, amen. Now, during that feast for us, what happens is that as the glory, um, as the bowls of wrath are being poured out, it's a picture of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in waves, okay? Now, as he's coming in waves and waves and waves and waves and waves, waves, waves what happens is, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, what happens is, um, um, the first wave hits, amen, second wave hits, third wave hits, onto the fullness of the waves hit. When the fullness hits, that refers to the seventh bowl, amen. When that happens, Jesus Christ appear, appears, according to the scriptures, in the air. You see that in First Thessalonians chapter 4, in First Corinthians chapter 15. And even when the last bowl of wrath is poured out, the place it is poured out is actually called the air. You see the book of Revelations chapter, I believe it's chapter 18 or 17 or 16. Let me just really quickly check that out and make sure I'm telling the truth. Yes, Revelation 16, yes. And let's see here. I think um, verse, um, let's see here. Let's start from verse 17. It says here, the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done and there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and there was a great earthquake notice how it was poured into the air previous bowls were poured in different places you see a bowl poured the first one was poured where upon the earth the second one was upon the sea right the third one on the rivers and springs of water right and if you check the fourth angel upon the sun isn't that interesting the fifth one on the throne of the beast. 
the sixth one upon the river Euphrates, making reference to the four corners of the heavens. And then ultimately it is now poured out in the air. And this is all about the church, the church seizing authority of the universe, right? Now, the church is able to do this because they have come into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Now, as they are seizing authority, all right, they're not seizing it by hijacking the world, okay? No, the glory of God emanating from them organically gives them power. This is the theme we kind of discuss in the ecosystem of the age to come that we can experience right now as believers, right? As you believe in God's word, right? What happens to you? Righteousness, you discover, right? God's righteousness in you is revealed. And when the righteousness of God is revealed in you, right? You are seen as in agreement with God. The fruit of that is a measure of glory is afforded to you, right? Those he justified, he glorified, right? So when righteousness is found in you, glory is the response. Does that make sense? So when you put all these together, you see a church that's very priestly by nature. And they come into authority and power, not by human architectural wisdom or hubris. No, no, no. They come in specifically by this construct here. Again, this is an illustration of something organic that God wanted on Mount Sinai, which is also captured in the book of Revelations. But because of this language, that this thing institutes a language that you see all throughout the scriptures, you see book of Revelations using that language as well. When God shows visions, I've seen, had encounters that God spoke with this language. Amen. God does that. Amen. It wasn't like John was retelling the vision um, in a way that would be familiar to, no, 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 no. He, he wrote down what he saw. And what he saw was God speaking using these things, right? But again, when we look at these things, we know that God is wanting something organic and real. God doesn't want you to look at, you know, inside of a box and say, we are the mercy seats church. Come inside mercy seat and then you now have two statues of two angels on top of your church. Then you have these two long groups out there. No, <laughs> amen. As ridiculous as that sounds, some people actually believe that, okay? And the only reason why they believe that is because they, they just don't understand. They are trying to do, they, many of them are innocently believing that that's what the Bible is saying, but it is not. Amen. Hallelujah. So as the glory keeps on being poured out and being poured out and being poured out, the climax of that glory, amen, the fullness of that glory is the appearance of Jesus Christ himself, the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. Once that sits, what now happens is that the, the entire um, the universe experiences atonement. That's when we celebrate the Feast of Atonement. We've explained that before, right? Jesus Christ coming is the Feast of Atonement. The Feast of Trumpets represents um, um, the Manchow Company, people that the new creation estate is screaming at them. There is a shouting, right? of who we are in Christ, right? Called, that's what Yom, Yom Teruah means. It means the day of blasting or day of shouting, amen? Where who you are in Christ is shouting at you, not just the revelation of it as in um, to revelation to your soul. Mm -mm. Talking about you are seeing, the language Jaylee uses in her writings is that all manners of signs and wonders will be poured, will flow out of the church. It's like a nonstop flow. Like this cannot be, this is not an anointing or a gifting. This is not just one operation of God. There is a steady flow of continuous signs and wonders echoing the presence of the testimony inside of that person. This is beyond what Jesus Christ did on the earth. Please hear me out, okay? What Jesus Christ did on the earth, amen, he did as an Old Testament prophet. Please hear me out. What Jesus Christ did on the earth, he functioned as an Old Testament prophet. Old Testament prophet, what they did was that they spoke in veils. When Jesus Christ spoke in the Old Testament, in, in, in the Gospels, he didn't speak with the intention of making people understand. He spoke parables intentionally. 
He said that when I'm speaking, I'm speaking that they will not understand. That is the language you see all throughout the Old Testament. Now, someone would say, but why did Jesus Christ do that? There is a reason why he did that, amen? Because he wanted to make sure, he said, I went to other things that have been spoken of on the foundation of the world, that the only people that will be able to access what he's speaking of, amen, are people who have received his spirit, people who have received the engagement ring, amen? Now, when we, when we're, when, when we say this, you know, someone might say, why, why, why doesn't God make it plain? The truth is that parables are actually plain. That is the truth. The problem is that we have gone so far away from God in our understanding that when we're asking God to make things plain, what we're asking God to do is that we want to stay where we are. You come and speak to us. Does that make sense? There's a place in the Bible when um, God, you know, you hear people complain to God and say things like, God, your ways are too hard. Your ways are not straight. And you now hear God saying, no, it is your own ways that are not straight. Is everyone listening? Let me see if I can find that um, um, portion of scripture. It is such a funny narrative hearing God speak like that. Thy ways, I'm using King James here. Thy ways... Let me find that verse. It's such a powerful verse because um, Israel is like, Israel says, Lord, thy ways are not, let me see if I can find that. Come on. Oh, come on. Uh-huh. Yes. Ezekiel 18. It's a funny scripture. Ezekiel chapter 18 from verse 29. Aha. Uh-huh. There we go. So let's see here. I love this portion of scripture. Um, let's start from verse 20. Time, man. You want to read this? Let's read the whole thing. Why don't we? Ezekiel 18 from verse. Let's start from verse. Um, man. I think Ezekiel 18 is a powerful chapter in the Bible. I think everyone should be very familiar with Ezekiel 18. I don't know why I'm just noticing that all of this, these things I read before, they're all in this chapter. It is powerful. Hmm. Let me start from verse 21, though, because of time. Um, Ezekiel 18 from verse 21. Um, please read with me, okay? Like, actually read, like, don't just read. Read to understand. If a wicked man turns from all his sins, which he has committed, keeps all of my statutes, and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. This is showing God's heart, right? God is trying to save the wicked man. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him. Is that not powerful? I think that's incredible. Okay. Because of the righteousness which he has done, he shall live. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? Do you see the heart of God here? Says the Lord God. Not that he should, and not that he should turn from his ways and live. So God is after repentance, right? But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to all the abomination that the wicked man does, shall he live? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithfulness of which he is guilty and the sin which he has committed because of them he shall die. What's happening here? This is when someone is trying to play games with God. Ah, God doesn't want me to perish or God wants me to just repent. Let me be sitting and then repenting. This is God likes repentance. This is a simple watchword for that person that's playing around, right? It is because of iniquity which he has done that he dies. So in other words, the wages of sin is still death. Sin is still bad, still evil, but God is still redeeming, Okay. So you're seeing the heart of God, despite the reality and the severity that's, of, you know, the problems that sin brings upon people that, that partake or live in it. Again, when a wicked man turns away from his wickedness, which he committed and does what is lawful and right, he himself 
is preserved alive because he considers and turns away from all the transgression which he commits. He shall surely live and not die, says the Lord. Okay. Yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not fair. <laughs> Do you see that? Can you see what, what, what's that play? <laughs> so here, the reason why God did all of this was to give Israel, okay, opportunity for them to make mistakes and yet be redeemed. But they are now upset because, because of this, <laughs> because of the fact that if you now do wickedness, all your rights will be remembered. Israel's response is, God, your ways are not fair, okay? And God says, oh, house of Israel, <clears throat> is it not my ways which are fair and your ways which are not fair? Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn away from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. <laughs> oh, Lord, how wonderful. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you? Do you see the heart of God? I love Jesus. Why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of the one who dies, says the Lord. Therefore, turn and live. Don't you just love that? I think God's heart is incredible. Amen. Um, what, what, we, what, what we're seeing here is this, okay? Many times whenever God brings things, okay, and lets us see all these things here, even the parables and the way he does stuff, it seems unfair at times. But God is letting us know here that anything that's coming from his end is beyond fair. You are the one that is seeing things in a crooked way. Does this make sense? The Bible says that God will be righteous when he judge, judges, right? Blameless in his judgment. Let God be true. Everyone else say liar. Amen. So you see Jesus bringing forth parables and all these allegories. Okay. Jesus Christ came as an Old Testament prophet. Amen. So because of that, you see Jesus Christ veiling himself repeatedly. It wasn't just in the words that he said. You don't see Jesus Christ being clearly seen as the Messiah, even though there were significant witnesses left behind for the Jewish people so that they could tell. How do I know this? There were specific signs that he did, like the healing of the man that was born blind, the deaf and dumb spirit be cast out, amen? All of those things were known in Jewish folklore as signs that only the Messiah could fulfill, could only, signs that only the Messiah could do, sorry. And so when Jesus Christ was doing all of these signs, it was crazy because they were like, what on earth? Why is, why, how is this guy doing all of this? It was a sign that this is the Messiah. Well, why did they not accept him? Because he gave reason for doubt. He gave reason for an excuse. He gave reason for the, the true state of your heart to come forth. What does that mean? Sometimes God would um, allow some situations to come out so that you can exercise yourself in righteousness and go the extra mile. Amen. What that means is that God, God will give you room to believe what he is saying in the midst of contradiction. He's not looking for room for you to doubt. He wants you to grow in your faith. Does that make sense? Now, the truth is that when those opportunities come, those opportunities are used to expose the heart. Amen? Now, what happens is that in those windows of time, we need to be faithful, right? <laughs> During this window of time. Because what happens there is that if you are unfaithful there, unfaithfulness is what, is what um, rises to the surface, right? That is what is seen as the true state of your heart. But if you are faithful in that time, faithfulness is what your heart is characterized by. Even though you would have questions, even though you, have, you probably had times where you made mistakes, right? It's what I'm saying making sense. Now, this is crucial because all of these things are windows for exposing the heart state. Jesus Christ in that state there, that's, that's how, when God veils himself in that way, the Bible says he hides himself from the, from the house. He hides, he veils himself from the house. I will wait upon the Lord who hides himself from the house of Jacob, amen? 
God does that. I'm saying he does that because he really doesn't do that. Amen. What actually happens that sin is what causes those veils. Amen. But I'll keep on going here. Okay. God does that. Amen. To reveal the state of our hearts. So that only Jacob, the house of those that seek his face, will be the ones that go after him. Does that make sense? And so you're going to see that the only the leaders of Israel, they were called the house of snakes, right? The, the family of snakes, the genealogy of snakes, the brood of vipers by John the Baptist. He was speaking prophetically because what ended up happening? They ended up accomplishing what the princes of this age wanted. Prince of this age are serpentine spirits, right? Principalities, powers, rules of darkness of the world, spiritual wickedness, heavenly places, Satan. Amen. It ended up fulfilling Satan's agenda. But at the end, it happened to be that God used what they turned, what they wanted for evil for good. The Joseph story, right? Hallelujah. What am I saying in all of these things here? Jesus Christ did not come as a New Testament prophet. He came as an Old Testament prophet. He came to fulfill the law. Amen. Now, by doing that, he said some things when he was on the earth. He said some things that the works that I do, you will do. And greater things you will do because I go to my father. He wasn't talking about bigger and better. <laughs> you know, we think that, okay, Jesus Christ raised five people from the dead. I'm going to raise 50. Greater work shall we do. That's not enough. It's not just in the number of miracles. Amen. It is also in the, you know, I went to a Spanish restaurant um, this year. I was in the UK earlier on this year. I went to a Spanish restaurant and it was very expensive, very expensive. Uh, when I saw the price tag, I was like, for like a meal, I was like, hmm, this is going to be me burning money away. But I knew I wasn't going to go shopping <laughs> like that to the UK because the UK is expensive anyways. So I decided, you know what? Let me, let me just indulge myself here and experience something. Let me just have this experience. I think oh, I, my little brother went somewhere else to go have fun. And I was by myself. He was resting in, in auntie's house. I was with the Adeko Gay family. Shout out to the Gay family. <laughs> if you live with them, you gain weight, I assure you. <laughs> Hallelujah. They eat healthy, don't get me wrong, but they will feed you. <laughs> as they say, for fat and calf. So you can be a living sacrifice unto God. <laughs> Love you, auntie. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so, um, so I went to a Spanish restaurant. And while I was there, um, they got me, I asked for this specific meal. The lady was like giving me like this historical context behind how it was made and blah, 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 blah. I love hearing some of that stuff, you know? So when she was finished, I was like, all right, cool. Let's jump in. And so she brought the food. When I saw the food, <laughs> I could just tell, this is where you have to discover. <laughs> Hallelujah. It, 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 anyway, it, it was a very small dish, all right? But would you, would, you, would you believe this, that when I was finished, I felt full. I felt very well nourished by that meal. And I left feeling lighter, but at the same time, well, like full, if that makes sense. Now, when I was finished all of that, I realized something that, you know, there's a way you can look at food and think that you need more, as in more rice, more beans, more yam, more plantain, and more and more and more and more and more and more and more. Yes, you need more for more people, amen? But it's also a place where there is so much wealth. It's not just more rice. You know, we can get, if you have like 2 million naira, you want to buy a phone, you want to buy phones, you can buy one, you know, hundreds of thousands of Nokia 310s, or you can buy one of the new iPhones or one of the new Samsung Galaxy um, Note phones, right? Sorry, Fold, Fold phones, the Z Fold phones. More chin-chin, more chin-chin. <laughs> That's a good one. 
they speak my language. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I, I successfully hid that pack from everyone in the house. Hallelujah. Self, selflessness. We'll call it selflessness for now. Call it something else after this meeting is done. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> when, uh, when, when people think about, it's just like um, you're hanging out with a child. If I give this analogy during the lamb's wife meeting as well. You give a child 10 naira, they want to buy sweets, okay? You give that child 50 million naira, they want to buy that money. More sweets. Why? A lack of hubris. Now, if you give me 10 naira, I might use it and buy sweets. If you give me 10 million naira, I will not use it and buy sweets, I can assure you. Maybe I'll buy one or two sweets. I'm going to put it something else. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say here is that we, we don't know that we've limited the things that God can do to the examples that we've seen literally captured in the pages of the Bible. If you read the book of Joel chapter two, you're going to hear about people that come up, amen, the likes of which have never been seen before. And the Bible makes reference to signs and wonders that have never been seen before. Jesus Christ said, the works that I do, you shall do, and greater, not just in quantity, but beloved, in quality. Is everyone listening? There's pedigrees of the signs of wonders. There's things in the Bible book of, um, there's things in the book of Hebrews chapter six called the powers of the age to come. I can assure you the powers of the age to come are beyond miracle signs and wonders. How do I know this? Because we have people in the Old Testament that's where doing miracle signs and wonders. My goodness, we have sinners, amen? People who are, let me not say that. We have people who are not if you have a gift of working of miracles, you can do miracles, but you're not in tune with God. Does that make sense? I hope what I'm saying is making sense. The effusions of God's power should not be limited to signs, miracles, and wonders alone. Yes, those will happen. But there's other things. I, this is why I like when I watch when I watch other movies, right? Movies in the world, and I hear see the creativity of people who task their souls demanding you know making a demand for creativity for a, a blossoming of new ideas i appreciate that thing i don't like lazy one dimensional thought processes that show that you haven't spent time with this thing amen how can we limit i hope you understand what i'm saying here there are some things beyond now we shouldn't just say they are beyond we need to actually go there Amen. Journey there and find out what those things are. Who gets what I'm saying? Now, when during the period of the man-child company, we'll just be discovering those things. Amen. We will be seeing them live on the earth. Amen. You'll be seeing human beings. Amen. I remember one of my friends had this vision. She saw a man, his torso from his, his chest, from his abs, like his abs, from here, his diaphragm. Now, to like his loins was all made of like sapphire crystal and it was clear and transparent inside she saw the ark of the covenant inside so she saw cherubim whizzing around the guys inside the guy's belly <laughs> now isn't that consistent with scripture out of the shall flow we're what rivers of living water right that's the same hebrew um sorry that word for living water same greek word used to describe water from god from god's throne it was a picture of what saturation what of god's government on the inside of this man but it manifested physically it manifested physically it wasn't just a vision it manifested physically uh, there's a man of god um that went on this prayer retreat kind of like we're going to be having one 
in about two weeks, y'all. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Hallelujah. We're going to take the next level. 50 hours. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Went for this prayer retreat. They waited in law for a few days on this song. It was in like on a mountainous region. I think like went for like maybe like a week or two weeks. I can't remember how long it was. So just praying, seeking the Lord. And while they were there seeking the Lord, um, uh, worshiping Jesus, um, someone appeared in their midst, a man wearing a hood. Okay. Remember when I first, I heard this when I was in NYSC. When I heard this story, I said, Jesus Christ, what is this? It was just shaking my head that there's human beings on the earth like that. Up to now, so shakes my head. Okay, don't get me wrong. But um, <laughs> hallelujah. This dude, okay, <laughs> wearing this hood. He wore the hood for a reason. He also had gloves on, okay? So he wore like kind of like a monk, like a 16th century monk, kind of cassock thing or whatever, where they were like this hooded thing or whatever. So he appeared. He looked at all of them. He took off his glove. And when he took off his glove, his hand, you can now see his hand. His hand was made of crystal, okay? Pure crystal. Like he didn't have any skin. It was just crystal instead of skin. And it was all transparent. Now, what you'd have referred to as like blood vessels, amen? Pumping blood throughout his body was seen as electricity. You know how electricity, like, okay? That was what his blood vessels looked like. They looked like they were carrying blue lightning, basically. So he had blue lightning on his, inside of his hands, okay? Now, this guy <laughs> with this... Crazy manifestation, right? Put his hand into his belly and brought out coals of burning fire from his inside. Now, when he finished that, everyone just erupted, you know, seeking the Lord. He put it back in his belly and he disappeared. That was a human being, though. I don't believe that was an angel. Hallelujah. You're going to people on the earth like that. Let me just show you that this is not far-fetched, Okay. Let's go to, I think it's Judges chapter 7. Let's see here. Judges chapter 7. Sorry. Judges chapter, is it chapter 4? Chapter 13. Judges 13. All right. Y'all hang in there with me. Hope everyone understands. Marvel movie in reality. Thank you. Amen. So verse, let's see, um, verse, there was a, verse two, there's a certain man of Zohar of the family of the Danites whose name was, sorry, give me a second, they're Nazarites, the Nazarites, um, yes, Lamentations, okay. Um, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. His wife was barren and had no children. The angel Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, indeed, now you are barren. Um, okay. Indeed, now you are barren and had no children. Angel Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have no children. <laughs> I like that. But you shall conceive and bear a son. And therefore, be careful not to drink wine or similar drink. Don't, let, don't eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel to the hand of the Philistines. Okay? Now, look here, okay? The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman. So the angel did what? The angel appeared to the woman, right? So the angel showed up out of nowhere. Okay, now let's look at how the woman retells what happened, okay? Blah, 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 verse six. So the woman came and told her husband saying, a man of God came to me and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from and he did not tell me his name. Now the translators there for the New King James, they put that, the him there in uppercase, making this look like this was a pre-Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ, amen? Now, this woman saw an angel and she called the angel, what? A man of God. Even though the angel appeared to her. 
What does that tell me about men of God in Israel? What does that tell me about prophets in Israel? Is anyone listening? You see, Jesus Christ's transfiguration experience was not a unique experience to Jesus Christ. High priests in the Old Testament, when on the Day of Atonement, when they came out from the temple, they looked like angels when they came out. Their bodies were covered with light. And that light they distributed among Israel when they released the El Shaddai blessing. So it was not unusual for a man of God, a prophet, to speak with that spirit of the El Shaddai blessing upon them. You see someone like Abraham blessing um, Isaac or Isaac blessing Jacob, and they give the same El Shaddai blessing that the high priest would give to Israel. What am I trying to say here? Men of God in the Old Testament did not always look like human beings. Do you know that Moses, when he came down from Mount Sinai, <laughs> this is controversial. I personally believe, and I, I, it's, it's right there in the Bible, that's the truth. I'm mixing, I personally believe just because Anyways, the Bible says that Moses, the skin of Moses' face shone. That Hebrew word for Moses' face shining actually means that Moses' face grew horns, okay? And the best way to explain what happened to Moses was that Moses' face was shining, yes? But not only was his face shining, but then the four living creatures, right, that Moses was, you know, engaging the Lord through. So they were the interface between Moses and God. In the Old Testament, man had to engage with God through the interface of angels. We engage God through the interface of Jesus Christ, right? And so because of that interface, the face of God that they saw were the four faces of the cherubim, amen? Now, what happened was that when Moses was being branded with the testimony of Israel, God's testament, uh, the testimony of God between um, Israel and God, the marriage contract, amen, Moses received those four faces as well. So Moses grew out four faces as well. If you check your Bible, you see stories of crazy things. Just that, you know, when, when God opens this chapter in your life and you start reading your Bible, you begin to see it. When that chapter is not open, you can just kind of hop over these things. I remember a season of my life, all I was in my Bible were strange human beings. And I, I took notes down and I have references to them. I can share some of them with you if you're interested. <laughs> that would be a fun one, right? Go to the Bible and see that many of these movies that we watch, amen, they are not lying the way we think they are lying. Let me open one more portion of scripture to prove some of these things. Amen. Lamentations chapter four. Maybe I'll show, I'll show, one, after this, I'll show one more portion of scripture, right? Book of Lamentation. This is when uh, Jeremiah was mourning about the people of Israel, right? Look what he says. The punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the punishment of the sin of Sodom, which was overthrown in a moment with no hand to help her. For Israel's Nazarites were brighter than snow. They were whiter than milk. Do you know what this was a reference to? Nazarites in the book of Numbers chapter 6 were people in Israel that wanted to function as priests, even though they were not Levites. So the priests of Israel, it was not unusual for priests to begin to glow because the place that they functioned in the tabernacle itself, the Shekinah glory was there. Who gets what I'm saying? What I'm trying to say here is that this mindset we have of a Christianity where things, the laws of that of, 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 the, of the fallen world as it is right now are going to continue and no one is going to tamper with them. That season is going to come to an end, beloved. And we're going to see unusual things. Heck, we see witches and wizards doing crazy things, right? Shape-shifting, morphing, teleporting. Hallelujah. I'll show one, one more portion of scripture. Um, let me see if I can find that. Book of 1 Samuel. Amen. This one is on the dark side of things. Amen. 
Um, is it a man or a man? Men. Second Samuel 23. We'll end with this. Amen. From verse, um, let's start from verse 18. Yeah. So this is about David's mighty men, okay? They were military men, right? Powerful men, and they killed lots of people. <laughs> Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was chief of another um, three. He lifted his spear against 300 men, killed them, and won in among those three. So what happened was that he threw his spear, amen? When he threw his spear, 300 men died. So the picture of that is like, who's ever seen like the Thor movies? When he throws his hammer and just keeps on flying and hitting people's heads. Dun, 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 dun. That's what Abishai's spear did. He threw his spear and it just kept on. Almost, I think my thought process is that it was actually like a drone moving around on autopilot. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. He was not the most honored of the three. Can you imagine? <laughs> the guy had a drone in, in the Stone Age. <laughs> Therefore, he became their captain. However, he did not attain to the first three. Benaniah was the son of Jehodiah, the son of a valiant man from Je Kabzeel, who had done many deeds. He killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. Now, let me see if I can find what the King James says about this. King James is usually more vulgar about some of these things. Um, let's see here. He slew two lion-like men of Moab. So... Those men were werewolves. Hallelujah. Has everyone seen how I'm not, my goal is not to show you that things are weird in the spiritual realm, amen? My goal is to show you that things will get weird very soon and we should get very comfortable with it. Have you seen the agenda, this LGBTQ agenda? Have you seen where they're going? Have you seen people who are saying things like, my pronoun is there or they or we as a pronoun? So when you're referring to me, my name is what? Legion, for we are many. <laughs> Hallelujah. Have you, have, you, have you actually seen people who identify as not just humans having non-binary pronouns, but as entities, as host entities with pansexuality? Like right now, I'm a man, tomorrow I'm a woman, and da 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 Amen? That's in the world. And it's some of these things that are being enacted as laws. People are getting arrested for defying these things as policies. And we in the church were so bankrupt of our own civilization, of our own weirdness, that when we see, our, when we see you can see believers now going to gay parades, going to gay pride marches. But those same believers, they think it's strange. Hallelujah. I hope everyone gets the picture here, amen? We are going, you know, what we're going into is a time when the Shekinah glory descends Amen. Upon the church. And that's the kind of glory that it sends upon the church. Amen. Is not a big light source. It is Jesus Christ himself bodily. That is a day of atonement. When that happens, amen. Like what happened in the Old Testament with the, old, um, the high priest where he shines brighter than the sun. The entire church, amen, will be illuminated with God's glory. And what was going to happen is that what we call the millennial reign will ensue. Once the millennial reign terminates, amen, is just, the millennial reign is a picture of Jesus Christ exhibiting his reign on this side of this age amen once that has finished then we transition to new age the feast of tabernacles hallelujah amen is there understanding of the things that have been taught today 
Is there confusion? I hope there's no confusion. Amen. I think today was very simple. Hallelujah. Amen. No responses. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Amen. Um, this has been word for now. Amen. We have been digging deep um, into the seven feasts of Israel with the hope of discovering, amen, uh, more about them, their um, inauguration, their fulfillment in the old, fulfillment in the new, and fulfillment in the now, in us, amen? <laughs> Real reality, <laughs> I like that, amen? I wanna remind you that Word for Now happens Mondays and Wednesdays at 8 p.m. And then tomorrow at 8 p.m. we have Open Book, Tuesday. Mama's gonna be ministering again, hallelujah. And um, before that happens, though, we have our watches. Amen. Afternoon watch goes from 2 p.m. till, sorry, morning watch. Jeez, that is a typo. I need to fix that. Wow. Interesting. Our morning watch goes from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. I need to fix that. That's bad. Maybe our schedule graphic. Oh, there we go. That's the right thing. No, that's wrong. What? Okay. I'm not going to get into this here. That is so weird. Okay. Um, that ah, from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Amen. And then from 7 a.m. We have prayers for Nigeria till 730. Amen. I wasn't able to join this morning because I was so exhausted from um, our recently concluded pull the graphic out, uh, prayer stretch and then the lamb's wife retreat. Amen. That was beautiful. Um, I, I really hope people I know people were blessed by this because I got lots of testimonies afterwards. Um, we're looking forward to our next prayer stretch. Amen. It's going to be 50 hours. Amen. From Thursday at 4 p.m. with Melchizedek School. From Melchizedek School, we go straight into um, the prayer stretch. And uh, we end, oh my, it says here Friday. It's supposed to say Saturday. December the 3rd on Saturday at 6 p.m. with fellowship. So we end it with PHB fellowship and then we go home. Hallelujah. So I need to correct that typo there. Apologies, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us, beloved. This has been a wonderful time. I hope it has been for you. Um, getting to receive the word for now. Hallelujah. My name is Francis Seabor. Pastor Francis Seabor sends his love and his greetings. Um, I can't wait to when he joins us again with an awesome series. Um, this is Francis telling you to enjoy or continue to dig in as you feast on the Lord, right? Hallelujah. Um, this is Francis, and I want to wish you uh, Jesus dreams and a really good night. <laughs>